Welcome to CMMS Radio, a podcast and general resource for all things CMMS, computerized maintenance management software, from selection to implementation to help you make better choices and have a successful CMMS journey. We'll bring in experts along the way to help us learn more about CMMS, facilities operations, and much more. If you need help with the CMMS project, send a message at cmmsradio.com using the What's On Your Mind link. Suggest a topic, share your CMMS story, or ask questions. Well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Today, we are joined by Charles Gelman. He is the CEO and founder of Hido Health, enabling health equity and independence at home. Now, Charles is a data scientist at heart, and Hido exists to reduce hospitalizations and costs for patients by leveraging artificial intelligence combined with the behaviors needed to improve patient outcomes. It's all from your home while keeping your providers and clinicians plugged in and in the know to monitor patient progress. Charles, welcome to CMMS Radio. Greg, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on here. We're going to have a enlightening conversation and there are some trivia questions I have not prepared you with so your audience is going to be able to play along in the background. All right, cool. That'll be fun. I always like something new and interesting. You know, a lot of people would say, hey, what what are you doing having Hido Health on CMMS Radio? What does that got to do with it? I said, well, there's a couple of things. One, I saw something hit the feed on LinkedIn about you're on a push right now to be on at least 100 podcasts before the end of the year. And I thought, man, I want to be a part of that. I love startups. It's a hustle. It's a grind, but it's really meaningful. There's some passion at at the heart of what happens with all these different startups, whether they're in computerized maintenance management or otherwise. And I love the fact that you, you and I had a previous conversation that you are a data scientist at heart and you understand a lot about what to do with that. So I've got some little notes and I want to read uh, a little bit of something from those notes and then kind of see where that takes us. Sound good? Yeah, 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 shoot. All right, good deal. So first, I wanted to talk a little bit about your background and experience that led you up to starting and forming Hido. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it really started um, through a happenstance. You know, a lot of the the startup journeys usually are not exactly set in stone where you, you know, logically think, you know, I'm going to go point A, B, C, and D. And I always had this, you know, um, plan all along. It was all strategic. This is this is all part of the master plan. No, far from that. So my experience really stemmed from um, my introduction to the the medical um, experience and that happened because i was sick um, so I, when i was in my early 20s i went to the doctor i thought i had a, a kidney stone and like many other people when you when you talk to a doctor you take it to heart because what they say is what's happening what's unfolding in your life so i took that to heart went home you know um, waited a few more days uh, about a week goes by and then I, I can't really walk very well. And then that's when I went back to the hospital. So I went to the ER. Fantastic. So back in the ER, the doctor says, you know what, Charles, I know what's wrong with you. You have a ruptured appendix and we're going to take care of it. Lights out, you know, two weeks later, you know, back in action. But I'm very thankful and grateful for the physicians that treated me. I'm still here. So that changed the course of my life, my trajectory, my career, my everything. And then I did a complete 180 to how can I help impact healthcare and change the delivery of care so people like me that were super naive and inexperienced with um, healthcare could alter it for the future generations. 
Very cool. And I did a little bit of research. You know, I try to keep that to a minimum. People say, well, why do you do that? And I say, well, I want it to be organic. I want this to unfold like we bumped into each other at like a coffee place or something like that. So I keep it to a minimum. But uh, it, it, in my view, you in your past have worked with thousands of hospitals, uh, providers and healthcare organizations over the years. And you've seen their facilities, their operations, uh, patient outcomes, and uh, you worked with their data. And I think that experience might have, you know, kind of in your eyes, kind of impacted the magnitude of healthcare overall. And you wanted to kind of solve this challenge when it comes to what that data is and how patients being at home or being at a skilled nursing facility or whatever it might be, how, how does that influence what HIDO really does? Yeah. So when we start looking at the past, we can connect the dots in the future. In my past, um, you know, to your point, is really in data science research. So part of my initial um, thought process was how can we create a blueprint for health? And in order to create a blueprint for health, you have to understand how people are doing and the variabilities that exist in one city, one town, one hospital, one state, multiple states, and so forth and so on. So part of my initial research, as daunting as this sounds, was aggregating all of the CMS data, and that's the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services for mortality, readmissions, healthcare-associated infections, and then force ranking those with a data visualization tool to see who is doing well and who needs additional um, help or has some gaps. But in order to make that real, you have to make it real for hospital executives and leaders so they can change the course of the ship because seeing data in a bunch of Excel spreadsheets doesn't move the needle. You need to visualize it so you can talk about the story, so you can change how things are from current state to the future. And what I was always enamored by was, can we create a blueprint for health? And if we could create a blueprint for health, what does fantastic look like? And how can we emulate those standards, those best practices, and then replicate them amongst the variability that does exist in different locations with different people and different software and different equipment? Because you start adding all those different variables exponentially, and it's very hard to recreate what great is. So when, when it comes to Hido in particular, your, your interest in the data and what we're really going to do with it, you can collect all this different data, but how do you, so first, where, where is the meaningful data coming from at the patient level, right, with Hido in particular? And then how are you guiding, pushing the way to appropriately use that data to really impact these better outcomes that you're after? Yeah, so when we start looking at health, there's really three pillars of health. And some of them can be controlled and some of them can't be controlled. But the ones that can be controlled, we'll start with pillar number one, which is diet and nutrition. So we have choices that we make every day that alters our future. They may feel or taste good right now in the moment, but they will deviate our outcomes based upon our behaviors. So that's one. Number two is your mobility and exercise. Right. So those are the two pillars. And if you are challenged with diet exercise, then usually what you have is medications. And if you're having problems with one and two, number three is medications. You're usually having a problem with that. So what Hido does is we streamline 
through an AI-assisted robotic device, the medication dispensing process, and smooth it out so patients at home, when they have those limited interactions with their physician that a lot of us experience trying to communicate a lot of information, it's hard to remember it. So what we do is instead of them having to remember it and be dependent on others, they can be dependent on the device that will do everything for them. So it knows your medication name, dosage, frequency, and count, and it holds you accountable for you taking your medications on a regular schedule so you can smooth out your chronic disease versus it being very erratic and you're going back to your doctor, you're taking more medications now or more dosages or they're making adjustments. And it's it's very problematic for many millions and millions of patients out there. Definitely. And I, it reminds me of, you know, the, the, the one week kind of planner set up and you're putting your pills in there and all that stuff. And even that is going to fall short. And then while this is all happening, is it then true that the device itself is communicating these, these data points based on the behavior of the patients to the physicians and the clinicians so that they can have that better data to more appropriately intervene if and when necessary? Yeah, so this is where things get very intriguing. I think your audience is going to be um, enamored by some of this information. But um, right now, I want you to take your best guess on how many medications are prescribed in the United States each year. How many? It's not in the millions. It's larger than that. Well, then, I mean, I automatically would say billions, but I am wondering if it isn't even more than that over six billion prescriptions costing over 600 billion dollars a year this is just medication costs and total volume a year in the united states now the healthcare market for you know a lot of the people that are listening or viewing this it's over four trillion dollars a year and these medications half of these medications aren't taken as intended or prescribed so we are wasting 300 billion dollars a year just on medications and you hear it in the news quite a bit you know people are you know they're angry about how much medications cost well shouldn't we also be angry about the medications that aren't taken that we're spending you know so there's got to be there's there's definitely room to fix things and the idea behind Hido is with monitoring and tracking of these behaviors at home you deviate what people are doing what's normal for them so you know you get interrupted you have a family you have kids you have work there's life things that happen that deviate your behaviors unknowingly so what if we can get people to take the medications as intended as prescribed for the first time ever we can alter the way that they perform or their outcomes with the drugs because they're simply taking them as intended for the first time. It's so interesting because on one hand, it's elementary, right? It, it, it really makes sense. If you simply do what you are supposed to do, then you should get this particular outcome. Obviously, it's the practice of medicine and all that. However, with all the disruptions, the potentiality for you know, missing a day, you missed your dose by two hours. So now you got to kick to the next day and it really has this ripple effect. So there's a significant gap there and this attempts to solve it. And if more people get on board with it, you're going to start to close that gap. And that's really what it's all about. And what's interesting about this. So I'm trying to kind of do my on the fly guy. Hey, how does this 
relate to things like maintenance, maintenance management, maintenance best practices. Well, we're talking about behaviors. So one thing that I have to point out is in the maintenance world, a lot of our behaviors and the cultural dynamics within an organization and how people move and do things affects similar outcomes. So that's where I'm relating it. And, you know, for anybody out there that says, ah, it's a bit of a stretch. Sure, maybe it is. But I wanted to ask you, Charles, specifically when it comes to data itself, whether we're talking about HIDO or anything else, is there a particular viewpoint that you have that you were exposed to and learned about over the years in school or in real-time practice where data has a tendency to be mistreated, maybe overaccumulated, and organizations just aren't necessarily well-versed in how to utilize their data to get a good outcome? Yeah, I think that there's different levels of data. And, you know, within maintenance organizations, you might be looking at, you know, national senior care facilities or assisted living or memory care, where you'll be able to draw in the usefulness of why this is important, because it really comes down to a concept that I think many of your listeners or or viewers have experience with, which is garbage in, garbage out, right? So it's dependent upon the folks that are, if they're manually inputting the data, it's sketchy. Right, And you're dependent on those users and those users are the variables of the data. And if you're trying to get information out based upon those users, that's your weakest link within the system. But let's take it to the other side. You know, let's say we're getting real time information that has strong accuracy and can drive the way that we maintain facilities or come across a problem or some other challenge, that'll give you the types of insights so you can remedy the issue before it becomes a gigantic problem for everybody to handle. So I think depending upon the types of data that you have, the insights provided by that data, and then ultimately the people that are monitoring the data to drive some type of intervention with that data, that's where, you know, no matter what the industry is, you you can really change the course or setting of what you're trying to accomplish based upon that information. I love that answer because it has such applicability, as you're saying, across industry. So we can kind of remove a little bit of that variability and say it doesn't have to be industry specific. Data in and of itself is data, but then you have to do something with it. It's going to fall back to the process or processes that an organization implements. So I would say to people out there, you know, you might be resistant to some of the standardization, but the standardization has meaning if it was done right. And then if you do those things, now the organization becomes more, I'm going to say in the know about what's really happening that matters about how they move. And then that creates this impact that can start to become self-sustaining. You still have to manage it. You can't just hit it and forget it, right? You got to go back, take a look at your data, see where people are kind of screwing up or doing their own thing, get them back on track. But you mentioned something else about like skilled nursing facilities and all these large, I mean, they're really, really big organizations that are, uh, I think in one of our conversations, you mentioned upwards of 30,000 units where, you know, they're housing mom and dad, or maybe people that are at risk in some other way with mental health or uh, maybe drug abuse, things like that. Do you find that with Hido that that's applicable in essentially any situation where there's a patient care situation that involves 
medication. So it doesn't have to be just uh, the typical physical health. It could be the mental health or any of the above, dementia, et cetera. Yeah, so we've we've never said no. And from a startup perspective, you know, you kind of have to lean into situations that normally aren't your perfect go-to-market strategy. So it's a little bit different. But we've been live on patients that have been, you know, bi- bipolar schizophrenic patients. They've been folks that had sh- a stroke and they're paralyzed with half their body. Dementia patients, diabetes, you know, a variety of different disease states, and that's really to stress test what's possible with a device such as this. Um, in our experiences with these patients, you know, I've gotten to know them personally. I've gone into their home. You know, I know their stories. Um, so it, it really touches me from, you know, understanding what they're dealing with. But could it help a variety of folks in a variety of different disease states? Yes, it can. Our focus right now is really the 1% of the population within the United States with chronic disease. And this is where I'm going to slow it down for everybody and ask that second trivia question is 1% of the population costs how much, how many cents on the dollar? does the 1% cost health plans right now? And I'm to answer in a percentage. I'm going to, I'm going to go with something fairly high. I'm going to say like 81. So close 1% of the chronic care disease patients in the United States right now costs 40 cents of every dollar. So 40 cents 40% of every dollar is from 1%. And you were right on the second question I was going to ask you, which is 5% of the population costs 80% of the medical spend. So 5% that typically have medications available to them don't take them half the time, which contributes to significant cost with unnecessary hospitalizations and ER visits. And it's not like these people want to go to the hospital. It's not like they're trying to utilize a lot of the the cost. They just need some assistance. And so that's why I think Heido can aid them at home in such a way that they've never had where they're not dependent on caregivers and family and friends and loved ones anymore and they can assist themselves so what i what i'm so excited about with Heido is really the um, power of a person to help themselves without needing help from others because you have that independence and freedom and they feel good it's you know you talked about mental health a little bit more is I think we're underestimating the capabilities of people and they just need a little bit of assistance with, you know, an AI technology in the home to get them to where they need to be so they can focus on their lifestyle. So they can focus on their family and just do things, enjoy life versus having to worry about filling a medication, you know, Monday through Sunday and remembering whether or not they took it. So I know we can do better. I I think we're going to get there too. Yeah. I, I, I like it because what, what I'm hearing is that, you know, even with plenty of self-awareness and when somebody needs to incorporate, we're going to, we're going to just call it discipline, right? To, to manage these things themselves. If they have something that helps them, then that's going to free up, you know, some bandwidth for lack of a better description for them to focus on some of those other things. So if they are taking their medications on time, just like in a maintenance scenario where you're maintaining something on time, you free up this available, I'm going to call it kind of space or bandwidth for you to go for that extra walk. And you're going to feel just a little bit better so that you have the energy to go for that extra walk, or you're going to have that extra kind of 
ability to make yourself a better meal, things like that. And it, it sounds crazy to a lot of people, I suppose. It sounds like it's pie in the sky, but it's not. It's not BS. It actually is a real thing, but it takes some work to get there. So this device is really going to help people to kind of get to that place a little bit quicker. Yeah. Yeah, I think I mean I think this is applicable to both sides of the maintenance because I think you're managing stress levels. So if you're stressing out over whether or not your metrics or data is correct and you're trying to manage facilities, that's not good because you're always running around with your head cut off. But if we can manage the stress and lower it and assist them so they no longer have to stress, that's called a caregiver burden and patient burden in the medical side of the house. Now, maybe in the maintenance side, it might be, you know, worker fatigue or, or you know, the or maybe employees want to leave because they're just trying to handle too much. You know, I think it just depends on uh, what they are you know stressed out with or trying to assume on their own but there's ways to manage this and once you're able to manage that you know instead of them doing those specific tasks maybe they can do a, a broader um, approach with other you know initiatives that will really impact the bottom line versus you know getting down the weeds on these minor issues and, and that's where i think all of these things are really related they kind of come full circle and we can learn from different industries especially if we know in this case it ties back to data and it the data is a result of behavior. And that is where we're looking at similarities in process, similarities in outcomes. We're looking for root causes. You've found one that you can solve with a device that's smart, right? And shores up or closes out that gap that people have. They might not even be aware of it. So I think it's a great thing. And I think the conversation is meaningful for people when it comes to maintenance, reliability, and just general best practices, whether it's in work or life or somewhere in between, right? I wanted to ask you a couple of fun questions, but before I do that, I want to do a real, real quick shout out if you don't mind. So uh, it might seem crass to kind of bring this up in the middle of an episode, but uh, for anybody out there, if you're dealing with a bad boss or a-hole boss, because you might need help with that, I want you to reach out to Rob Kalwarowski and Kalwarowski, and he has a website called HowToDealBoss.com, and you can sign up for his program on dealing with an a-hole boss. He gives a special discount to CMMS listeners, so when you go sign up, enter the code CMMS Radio, and he'll save you fifty dollars on the program. So that's the quick shout out. But when it comes to uh, the fun questions, first one I wanted to ask you, Charles, is your favorite music, what is it? Oh, favorite music? I mean, I'm pretty open to all music, and I don't want to upset anybody that's listening or watching this, but I'm not the biggest fan of country music, so you know, I tend to um, enjoy live performances. I will tolerate it because my wife loves country music, so de facto, I have to <laughs> have to love it, I guess. But I'm, I'm equal opportunity when it comes to music. I love it as long as it's live music. I appreciate an artist and musicians and them kind of pouring their emotions out there. Very good. Very good. And then next question is, what is your favorite sport or hobby? And it can be something to watch, whether you do it or not, doesn't matter, but favorite sport or hobby. Yeah. So I actually enjoy kickboxing and I also, you know, partake in kickboxing. I have a, a professional Muay Thai kickboxing bag in my garage and then also go to the gym. So I, I like it to me. It's more of you know, chess with your body. So you have to kind of plan out the attack and make sure, you know, you're not getting your, your head knocked off either. So yeah. um, I, I enjoy that. Very cool. Very cool. And I think, you know, 
one of the most popular sports these days, we all know, is mixed martial arts. And you're going to see a ton of these different practitioners are going to incorporate Muay Thai into their skill set. Uh, along with their wrestling base, et cetera, like that. That's that's a conversation for another kind of podcast. But uh, now, number three, what is your best advice for having a great work-life balance? Yeah, so the way I see things, it's a little bit different. It's I don't know. I mean, I probably wouldn't be the best person to ask this because there's not much of a work-life balance. They're a hybrid. Um, so I had a friend asked me the other day, which was a interesting question is, you know, well, if you have your own, your business, you're running your own company, you know, you set your own hours. And I found that very interesting. Cause yeah, I said, yes, you set your own hours. All 24 of them are set for you. So, um, I believe if you're passionate about what you're doing, it's not work. It's really the joy of coming in, trying to impact other people's lives. And that's my joy every single day. I don't know what the day is going to be. I don't know how things are going to unfold, but I'm, I'm in it all the way. So what I would suggest to your audience is whatever you're doing, however you're spending your time, just make sure that you're exceptionally passionate about it because your work and life often bleed into each other. Certainly. And I think you would, you, you might even say something to the effect of, I've done a little bit of research. Like I said, go all in. Yeah. 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 I think I, no matter what you do in your life, I mean, if you're passionate about it, you'll be all in whether or not you know it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like it. I like it. And I've been a part of a, a few build outs myself and, and you just go, go, go. And the idea of work like life balance, I mean, you can, everybody defines it differently. So um, I appreciate you trying to answer that question. And I tend to agree with what you said. And I, I don't know that there's a right answer. I think there's an answer for everybody. So a um, couple other things here, and then we can start to kind of wind down. But um, in your opinion, how does data move the needle for teams in healthcare or maybe even maintenance and environmental services in these particular healthcare environments? Because you've seen a lot of these environments when it comes to better care and better patient experiences in your view? I know that's a loaded question, but just take a shot at it. Yeah, it, it's huge. It's so big. You know, many, many years ago, the Center of Medicaid and Medicare Services, they published a database for hospital performance and a variety of different outcomes. So mortality um, for different disease states like cardiovascular disease and and some other areas, infection, readmissions, which is how many times a, a person goes back to the hospital after they're treated. And all of these measures and thresholds were publicly disseminated for everybody to know. So when you ask me how important data and outcomes of that data are, they're the foundation for all hospital performance, how they get paid, how they're incentivized, how people behave within based upon that data. So it is a absolute necessity within those organizations to perform accordingly. Also, there's metrics around patient satisfaction. So you did mention that earlier and it is tracked. It's important. There's a lot of money, hundreds of millions of dollars surrounding those specific thresholds from a medical standpoint. So data is really the driver to a lot of the performance of executive leadership, also clinical leadership that also boils down to patient outcomes. So I see the data almost like a flywheel ecosystem. So once you hit one, 
you know, another one comes up and then another one comes up and everybody benefits from this process. Awesome. Awesome. That's helpful. So what is next for Hydo Health in, let's just say the coming 12 to 24 months doesn't have to be perfect, but um, what, what would you say is next for Hydo Health? Yeah, so we're expanding. You know, what we've seen already, we've done research at Stanford and we're doing research with Rush University in Chicago, as well as um, we've had a very, very great success with a Medicare Advantage plan in Northern California. When I mean a great success, we've reduced hospitalizations by 80% for the heart failure patients and reduced the cost of care by 70%. And those numbers are substantial because healthcare is a four trillion dollar industry and 1.2 trillion is spent on hospitalizations right now so let me repeat we reduce hospitalizations by 80 percent 1.2 trillion is spent for hospitalizations so if you can reduce the spend on that one percent you can dramatically reduce the premiums that people have to pay for their services and that's exciting um, in addition to that you know i believe we'll have national news probably in the next six to twelve months with our dementia research because right now as i was alluding to a little bit earlier is you can never underestimate the power of the human mind and the spirit and right now we're going up to 15 patients 12 of those patients unassisted have been able to set up this device dispense their medication and do it repeatedly. And these aren't any patients. These are patients with dementia. So think about the power and the magnitude, the gravitas of a platform, not just in the United States, but maybe in Europe or Asia or the Middle East or other countries that could also benefit from this technology and aging population. So I think that the next 12 to 18 months are going to be very exciting. It sounds like it. It certainly sounds like it. And then is there, this is kind of like a bonus question, is there one thing that we didn't talk about that you'd like folks to know about you and or Hydo Health? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I always say this to everybody. It's not about me. It's never been about me. I'm surrounded with a group of fantastic individuals. It's always better to surround yourself by people that are much smarter than you. So we have um, amazing engineers and amazing team that have really been able to prop me up. So I've been able to be on a platform to tell people about Hido. And Hido was really developed not by us. It's by the patients. It's based upon the types of questions and interviews and them providing feedback when we go into their homes and their experiences. So um, Hido is really the culmination of many patients' experiences coming together and telling us what they wanted. So I just want to thank all the patients and team that have been a part of it. Awesome. Awesome. So I, I want to thank you for being here with me today. I want to tell everyone you can find Charles Gelman on LinkedIn and you can learn about Hido Health at HidoHealth.com. That's H-I-D-O Health.com. Charles, again, thank you for joining me today to help us learn about you about Hydo Health and the importance of data in healthcare and beyond, because we tried to make it about CMMS a little bit as well. So thank you very much, and I hope you have a great day. Thank you, Greg, for having me on. I appreciate it. It's an absolute pleasure.
Did you find this episode helpful? Please send us some feedback, suggest a topic, or ask a question. Reach out to CMMS Radio if you need a co-pilot on your CMMS project. Visit cmmsradio.com and use the What's On Your Mind link. Thank you for tuning in to CMMS Radio, your resource for all things CMMS from selection to implementation to help you make better choices, learn from industry experts, and have a successful CMMS journey.